are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as the family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. Uh, last week we had a, a special guest uh, with us from, from Portland, Oregon. Uh, Daryl Corbin spoke, with, spoke a word for us last week. If you haven't heard that word, I encourage you to go online, either Facebook or YouTube, and, and get that. It was super good. Uh, we, we as a church have been connected uh, with the church in, in Oregon since 1986, and, and in the last uh, couple of years, just been leaning back into that relationship. Uh, the name of the church now is, they, they joke, even even they joke, like they have Bible Temple, City Bible Church, Manor House. They have had so many names over the past 30, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, I think. Um, yeah, 70 years, because my father-in-law was born in that church when they first started, so uh, but Manor House Global, we've been leaning into this organization, um, this, this group of churches, uh, just to strengthen and to partner together. And so it's really cool to have Daryl with us, a special guest. We have another special guest this morning, all the way from Prospect Street in Messina, New York, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mark Miller. So, all right. It's Prospect Ave. It's not street. Morning, everybody. I don't feel like I have to preach this morning after worship and all of the words. It pretty much stole my message, so that's fun. Um, no, that just goes to show that God is, is doing what he's doing. And he's excited about what he's doing and that everything just flows together pretty awesome. I love it. I'm excited to be here this morning and share this with you. Um, I was actually supposed to, to share this message with you guys on December 27th, I believe it was. And I was exposed to COVID instead and found out that morning at 9.15 a.m. So I texted Greg, and I was like, uh, I hope you're ready because I can't preach this morning. So he, uh, he kind of did the whole shotgun thing and, and took it over. But I was really frustrated that I couldn't share the message that day. But now that I see the way things are going and what we're doing as a church and what season we're in right now, I see that God knows what he's doing. It's the perfect time. So I'm just excited to be able to share it with you. I'm going to read a couple scriptures this morning and then hopefully try to connect the dots with them, make some sense out of them. I'm just going to read those first and then we'll go from there. First one is Psalm 23. You guys know this one. It's pretty common. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, or as the other versions say, the shadow of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Your honor, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. The other scripture this morning I want to share with you is John 10.10. 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. I like how the message says it. Jesus says, I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for, will freely go in and out and find pasture. A thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. And I came that they can have real life and eternal life, more and better life than they've ever dreamed of. So this morning, I want to talk to you about abundant life, abundant living. You know, this last 12 months since the pandemic started and all that stuff, and everything, you know, just being shut down and 
our life and our society kind of being messed with. It hasn't really felt like abundant living, has it? Ultimately, life has ups and downs, valleys, mountaintops, good times, bad times. But, you know, there's a lot of beautiful moments in those that we have to keep our focus on. Talking about life, I want to give you a little history about mine and my wife, our, our relationship and just where we've come from. My childhood was pretty rough, to be honest. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was nine years old. It was a pretty tough childhood. My father was left to his own devices to try to figure out what it was like to raise a family on his own. We weren't the typical family that when there's a divorce that happens that the children go with the mother. We ended up being with my father. Excuse me. And my father, we didn't have a, a great strong relationship at the time. He was too busy, you know, trying to um, provide for our family and and, you know, so we were always home with mom, and then when the divorce happened, and now he's got these two kids at home, he's trying to figure out what life looks like. The relationship with my mother has been non-existent since, so it was pretty tough in childhood. But then my senior year of high school, I met the greatest person on earth, my wife, Anna Miller, who was a foreign exchange student from Mexico. That's right. Listen, I'm going to tell you, this is a little side note here. There was a lot of guys in my senior class that wanted to know the foreign exchange student. And guess who won? It was awesome, man. I, you know, I, I met her, I, I met her June 10th of my senior year. I kissed her June 17th, and I proposed July 23rd. No exaggeration. This April will be 20 years we've been married. But just like life, there's ups and downs. Because I thought I was right. She knew she was right, and uh, things, things were good for a while, and then things got bad for a while, and then things were good for a while, and, and in 2009, it was pretty much like we were coexisting. You know, we just became roommates, and we decided that something had to shift and change. I love you. You're awesome. She had to come all the way up front and just glare at me with her big, pretty eyes. And anyway, we found our way here. We found our way to this place because of Tom and Angie Agins. And we found life. We found wholeness and healing because of the people in this place and because of what God did in our lives and in our marriage. And we get to celebrate 20 years this year because of that. Fast forward a couple of years into 2012, we finally buy a house. We were living in Malone at the time, actually. We'd taken over the young adult group. We were traveling to Messina three, four days a week, and we're like, this is insane. So we decided to uproot everything and move from Malone to here. And we bought our house in May of 2012. It was an amazing year, so much fun, super excited. Everything's going really, really well, and then disaster strikes that summer. And my wife was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in September of that year. Pretty tough it was a really, really difficult year for us to navigate. We lost $35,000 a year from her employment. She couldn't work for a year. And it wasn't the most easy thing to navigate for sure. It was like once, we, it, it, was, it was crazy because it was like once we got back up on top of that mountain, it was like the enemy just wanted to kick us off and put us in the deepest, darkest place we'd ever known. I highlight her diagnosis because of a recent development in my own life. I've been dealing with some things for a couple of years trying to figure out what's going on in me and just some things I've been dealing with. 
not many people really know the depth of this story, I guess. Maybe Jason and, and Justin and Greg I've shared some of this with, but it's come to my realization and, and some things that I too actually have MS. I want to talk to you about that a little bit, about what that looks like, about what that means. You don't really understand a particular subject until you're dealing with it head on. You see, MS is an autoimmune disease which the body's immune system attacks its own tissues, specifically in the central nervous system. The science is, is that your white blood cells, which fight infection, become overactive. One of our neurologists said that, he said it perfectly. He's like, picture, picture your white blood cells like soldiers in a barracks. And when there a war breaks out or a fight breaks out, those white blood cells are activated. They come out and they fight that infection. But with MS, the white blood cells don't go back to the barracks when the war is over. They stay out and they fight, but there's nothing to fight. There's no enemy. So what they fight is they protect, they fight this protective sheeting over your nerves called myelin. It's a protein, prote a protein protective sheeting over your nervous system, over all the nerves in your body. It's called myelin. Well, the problem with myelin is that once the white blood cells attack that and, and eat away at it and, and your nerve is exposed, myelin doesn't regenerate. It scars over. So what happens is, is that when the white blood cells eat that myelin away, your nerve is exposed. Depending on where that nerve is that's exposed, that's when you experience whatever symptom there may be of multiple sclerosis. So if it's anywhere in your spine, it could be something like a tingling in your leg or something going numb. I'm trying to catch my breath. Um, something along those lines is what happens. And that's when you know that you have some kind of a symptom of MS. And then what happens is, is they go in by MRI and they look for the scarring over of those areas of, of your central nervous system. Now the problem is, is that it can be very random. It can attack anywhere in the central nerve, like your spine, which can have anything to do with your, with your limbs or appendages, but it can also attack anywhere in your brain. So the dangerous part of MS is that if you go into a relapse or you have progressive MS where you're constantly under attack, now Anna's type of MS is called relapse remitting. So she can be in remittance and not have any attacks at all, and then she can have a relapse and experience some kind of a new symptom. But if it attacks anywhere in the brain, specifically the cerebral cortex, it can really mess with some major parts of your body. Vision, sense of smell, um, complete mobility. The problem is, is that, again, like I, was, like I was saying, that myelin, it doesn't regenerate, so it scars over. That's called multiple sclerosis, means multiple scarring. So the MRI will show in the areas of your central nervous system where you have these scars. Now nerves are much like an electrical wire where the electrical current has to get from your brain down and through those nerves and speak to your body in those different areas. The problem with scar tissue is that electrical current doesn't pass through it very well. So there's three possible outcomes with scarring or multiple sclerosis of your, of your myelin that happens in your nervous system. One, you make a full recovery, and the electrical current goes all the way through the scar tissue, 
and you, and you have a, a, you know, a symptom for a short amount of time, the scar tissue comes over, creates a bridge, the electrical current gets all the way through, you make full recovery. Two, it only gets partway through the scar tissue. You only experience partial healing, and you have some kind of a debilitation for, for possibly the rest of your life. Or three, the electrical current get, cannot get through that scar tissue at all, and that's when you have long-term impairment from MS. It's a pretty crazy disease, because if you really think about it, it's you fighting against you. I want to tell you about when, it, when I realized that I may have been dealing with MS. There was this time that Ann and I were due to go visit an old friend of mine, and his wife really struggled around children. It was interesting. And every time we would go to see them and we brought our children, it was difficult for her because she didn't know really how to deal with kids. And I'm like, my kids? Anybody can deal with my kids. They're the greatest kids in the world, except for one of them. I'll talk to you later. No, but in all seriousness, like, she, she really struggled with children. And, I, and we were talking about it because we had to go see them for a particular thing. And I, and I we're talking, like, do we bring the kids? Do we not bring the kids? I don't want to create stress or anxiety for her. I don't want to, you know, ruffle her feathers or anything like that. And, and we started talking about, like, why, why does she like that with children? And we got to really talking about what had happened in her life. And at a very young age... She was diagnosed with something and couldn't have kids. Had to have a full hysterectomy at a very young age. And I thought, you know, man, that, that must be what it is. It must be wrecking her as a mom, or as a, as a woman, to know that she could never birth her own children. And, you know, she has this huge scar to prove that, to show that, for her reasoning of why she acts and, and behaves in certain ways and what really bothers her. And that's when it hit me. I have scars too. The only difference between her scars and my scars is you can see her scars. My scars you can't physically see. You know, we all struggle with scars. A lot of those scars come in very, can come from very defining moments in our life. Moments of shock and trauma. Moments of pain or loss heavy, hard, devastating moments in our life. And again, the only difference between her scars and my scars is that you could see hers. Some of these scars have specific names. Shame, insecurity, addiction, anxiety, depression. So many names. You may not even realize that you have them, but I'll bet that everybody in this room does. To keep things on a light note, it gets worse. <laughs> MS is worse than the coronavirus. It has a 100% infection rate. Nobody is immune. No one is immune. Greg has it. Heather has it. Jason has it. I have it. Justin doesn't think he has it. He has it. Listen, I'm talking about multiple scarring. Not the actual disease. I don't have the actual disease, but you know what I do have? I have multiple sclerosis. I have multiple scarring in my life 
that dictates why I behave the way I do sometimes. Why I have a tendency to be a certain way around a certain circumstance. Why a certain thing makes me respond in a certain way. We all have multiple sclerosis. You know what I learned about my friend with the hysterectomy and watching my wife throughout all these years and watching her carry this disease? is that you never really know what somebody is battling. To look at my wife up here, to dance and worship the way she does, you'd never know. You'd look at her and you'd never know that she battles anything. But I see the nights when she's tired and I see the things that she carries. And she's the strongest woman I've ever met. You see, you don't know what somebody's dealing with unless you have relationship with them. Unless you have connection with them. You can't fully understand what somebody is dealing with unless you know and you're in their lives. I want you guys to remember something. Just because somebody carries something well, it doesn't mean it isn't heavy. So be mindful. I've seen so many times in doing our inner healing ministry of Restore, used to be called RTF, Restoring the Foundations, that so many people have so many deep scars that they never knew they were carrying, never knew that they had before. And I'm sure that right now that maybe some of you hopefully are opening your eyes to this and saying, wow, I, I absolutely do have some scarring. And maybe some of you can place your finger on it immediately and directly. Maybe some of you aren't quite sure, but now you're thinking, huh, maybe there is something that I have. Maybe you're like Justin, and you're like, ain't nothing wrong with me. And then you have people in your life like me that go, Justin, you've got scars. <laughs> I know it sounds a little bleak. It doesn't quite sound like abundant life. But the thing is, this is the reality of life. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about what abundant life really is. And to understand what abundant life is, we need the actual definition. Abundant life refers to the life and its abounding or overflowing fullness of joy and strength for your spirit, your soul, and your body. Abundant life signifies the contrast to feeling lack, emptiness, or dissatisfaction. Hopefully that's up there. Levi, you're the best. I'm going to read it again. Abundant life refers to the life in its abounding or overflowing fullness of joy and strength for your spirit, your soul, and your body. Abundant life signifies a contrast to the feelings of lack, emptiness, and dissatisfaction. Abundant life does not mean living a life of riches or luxuries without problems. I think sometimes in Christianity when we kind of enter into it, we think, ah, God's just going to take care of all the good stuff. And we're never going to have to experience the bad. It's not true. It's not living a life without problems. It means living a life of freedom in the midst of your struggle. Living a life of joy in the midst of your pain. I realized this a little bit in a deeper way when Ann and I were attending a small group for, um, inner he for healing, actually, specifically uh, physical healing at Sue Kramer's house. She actually titled the small group, Living While You're Waiting. And 
you know, yes, we went to contend for Anna's healing for MS. And, you know, the, Danny and, and Lori Ramsdale went to contend for Danny's healing. And people were there to specifically contend for physical healing. But what we found was that we got life and healing while we were waiting for our miracle. It became more and more evident to me that living abundant life isn't about getting that thing you're contending for, the miracle that you've been asking God for, or that breakthrough even specifically. It's about the person of Jesus instead. It's about what God wants to do in you and through you in the midst of your moments, in the midst of your struggles. It's not about the miracle. It's about the person. Abundant life isn't about material things and physical healing. It's about being free in your spirit in spite of your circumstances. Life and life more abundant is not what you receive in the moments, but who and how you can be in those moments. It's not about allowing the restrictions of life, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, financial, to keep you from living free. So, okay, you're probably asking yourselves the question, this all sounds great, but how can I get it? What do I do now? Well, what do you do when you are faced with a diagnosis? When you're feeling something in your body physically, you go to a doctor, you go to a specialist. You go to find out, to, to look for a, a treatment plan, a vaccine. You go to find medicine and treatment. So what do you do if this is something that you know that you're dealing with internally that's a spiritual thing more than a physical thing? Obviously, the answer is Jesus. And how do we know that that's true? How do we know that there is life in Jesus? Well, his exact words in John 14, 6 say, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can enter the Father except through me. He declares specifically that he is the life. Another one of my favorite scriptures that talk about why he's so important to us is it says in 2 Peter 1.3, it says, His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his glory. So the answer for what you need in this life is Jesus and the knowledge of him. It's through connection in Jesus and intimately knowing him. You see, in 2 Peter, when it says that it's, it's through the knowledge of Jesus or through knowing Jesus, that word, we've talked about it before, is the same word, gnosko, which means to intimately know, to fully know, and to be fully known. That means you have to have intimate relationship with Jesus, not just a platonic knowledge of who he is and believing, yeah, yeah, yeah he was some guy in history or whatever. No, it means to intimately know him. Like I intimately know my wife, like I intimately know my children and the friends in my life, and, and walking in relationship with the connection and people around me. So it's about knowing God, and it's about having connection with others and walking through life together in community. Does that sound familiar? Know God, love one another. It's kind of interesting. So what am I saying about when you need to know or gnosko Jesus? You need to let Jesus love you where you're at. It's not about what you do for Jesus. Those are things that we get to do out of our sonship. When we accept a life of Christ and, and we live a life of service, those are things that we get to do for him. But we forget that we have to let him love us. 
We cannot love unless he first loves us. So it's important to have that intimacy, to have that relationship with him. And you need community. You're not supposed to do this alone. Listen, we're all going to experience the ups and downs. You're going to have good moments and you're going to have bad. But the thing you have to remember is that pain and struggle is inevitable. But your suffering is optional. You're going to face hard moments, but you don't have to let those moments define you and how you respond to those moments. Do you know what pain and struggles cause you to do? What it causes me to do specifically? It makes you want to isolate. It makes you want to withdraw. When I'm hurting, it's, when you're hurting, it's the worst thing that you can do. But when I'm struggling, it's the first thing I do. I've got my, my Anna, Anna and I joke around, we call them our fab five, our top five friends, you know, like our little, our little uh, what do you call it, click, so to speak. And, and, you know, Bill and Jason and Greg and Justin, those guys, they're like, they know when I'm struggling because I just go radio silent. I don't reach out. I don't want to do anything with them. I don't want to do anything with anybody else. And I'm struggling, so I withdraw. It's the worst thing you can do in the midst of your struggle. I want you to consider for a moment this, the scripture in Corinthians about the parts of the body. I know we've all heard it a lot. Um, maybe if you're new, you haven't heard it, so I'm going to read it. But um, I, I kind of got this awesome revelation that God showed me about the parts of the body. So I'll read it to you. It's in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. It says, one body with many parts. The human body has many parts, but the many parts up, the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews and some are Gentiles. Some are slaves, some are free. But we've all been baptized into the body of one spirit, and we share that same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. The foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand. That doesn't make that one part any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would it make it any less part of a body? If your whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but, one, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and least important are actually the most important and most necessary. And the parts that we regard as less honorable are those that we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect those that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that the extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members can care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer. If one part is honored, then all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So my recent revelation about the scripture is, is that every part serves a purpose, has a function, but what if you're injured? What if you're in pain? What if people have hurt you? What if, what if people have tried to just tear you down? What if you think to yourselves, 
I can't possibly play a role in the kingdom of God. I'm too broken. Listen, your injury and your suffering, your scars, they do not disqualify you or remove you from your purpose. Separating yourself because of your pain and suffering or whatever it is that you're dealing with or carrying is the worst thing that you can do. Do not cut yourself off. You need the body, and the body needs you. I got hurt this past summer at work, actually. A stair broke from underneath my, my foot. There were wooden stairs, and I went down. I tore the meniscus in my knee. I fractured my right elbow. It uh, didn't feel very good, but the time off from work was nice. But I got to thinking, what if I just cut these parts of my body off that were injured? What if I just got rid of them and said, they're useless to me. They're injured. They're hurt. They don't serve a purpose. Are they useless just because they're injured? Do they have purpose because even though they're in pain? You see, all the more, it was important that they stay connected to my body so that they can receive the full healing that they're supposed to get. If the parts of your body that are injured are not connected to your body, they can't get the flow of blood. They can't get the healing elements that it needs to fulfill its full purpose. So if you've ever thought to yourself that I'm too broken, I'm too messed up, I have too many scars, I have no purpose, the worst thing you can do is withdraw. You have to stay connected to this family, to the family of God, to the body of Christ, so that you can receive that full healing to walk out your purpose. It's only then that you can actually become whole. It's only then that my knee and my elbow can get the healing that it needs to become whole and serve a purpose. So I'm asking you, don't cut yourself off. Don't make the choice to disqualify yourself because of your own struggle, because of your own scars. Don't separate yourself. You need to get connected. You need to stay connected. You need to let Jesus heal you. Months ago, J uh, Justin talked about remaining and abiding in God's love. That's what we need to do. Understand this. Your past and your pain can become an explanation for what you're feeling. But it can't be your excuse for not walking out your purpose for God. The only way to find freedom in your pain beauty in your ashes. Treasure in your scars is the love of Jesus. You need to let him love you. You need to stay plugged in. You need to stay on that treatment plan. You know what happens when Anna feels like she's Wonder Woman and she goes off her medication because she thinks, I'm healthy, I don't need that anymore. Watch this. <laughs> I can't imagine she would argue with me about anything. That's odd. Sometimes immediately, she, notice, she notices the effect of not being on her meds. Sometimes it's a slow fade and it takes a while. But she notices the difference after a while of not being on that treatment plan. Go ahead, disconnect yourself. You might see it immediately. You might think you have it for a while, but you know what? It's going to be a slow fade and you're going to realize eventually that the treatment plan works. 
if you withdraw, if you disconnect, if you walk away, you're going to notice it. You have to stay connected. You have to stay plugged in. You have to let him love you. You have to remain and abide in his love and what he wants to do in you. I'm going to invite the worship team up. I'm trying to get you guys to realize and understand that you're not supposed to stay where you are. You're not supposed to be left paralyzed by your scars. You're not supposed to have long-term debilitation. I know that this year has been really hard. I know that everybody couldn't wait for January 1st, 2021. I know that some people were really hoping about the election and whichever way you want to lean and what that meant for them and, and, and everybody put their hope in all that stuff and but your hope isn't in those things. January 1st is just a day. The president is just a man. Our policies are just policies. You got to put your hope in the one that gives new mercies every day. He's the answer. You're not, to meant, to, you're not meant to just stay there. Think of Psalm 23. Think about the idea of the valley of the shadow of death. It says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You see, you're not meant to set up camp in the valley of death. In fact, your physical body is made, it's actually designed to move forward and only forward. Your toes are made to grip the ground to pull yourself forward and move forward. You turn your head side to side, 180 degrees. I can't see behind me unless I turn my body. You can't move forward constantly staring behind you. Your knees are made to move. Everything is made to move forward and take land. You're supposed to take ground. You're not supposed to set up camp in the areas that God doesn't want you to set up camp. There are places that he wants you to. Makes me lie down in green pastures. Leads me beside still waters. That's abundant living. Notice how he wants you to stay in the places where it's life-giving, where it's beautiful, where you could sit back and grab your little lawn chair and say, I could stay here forever. That's where he wants you. But in the valley of shadow of death, keep moving. Don't stay where you are. Don't stay stuck to your circumstances and your scars. Get moving. Pull up the tent stakes and say, I'm not staying here anymore. He has good things for us. In the end of Psalm 23, it says, His goodness will follow me all the days of my life. He sets up a table in the presence of my enemies. What does that mean? A table in my home is where we serve food, and we sit there and we enjoy the good things of life. In the presence of your enemy, in the presence of your struggle, He sets a table for you to partake of His goodness. He wants you to have his goodness in those moments. Don't stay there. I want to invite everybody this morning into something of just maybe taking that moment to say, what is it I'm dealing with? Maybe you've never let Jesus in at all. Maybe this morning you're on the fence about what that looks like. 
Maybe you don't even know how to do it. Maybe you don't know how to make Jesus your life. Maybe you don't know how to give it to him. One of my favorite speakers, Erwin McManus, has the greatest invitation to salvation. It's so simplistic. I love it. It's simple. He says, Jesus, I give you my life. He says, that's all it takes. Just to, just to make that statement, Jesus, I give you my life. You know, he goes on to say that that's not the only conversation that you and Jesus have to have. It's not the only things you guys have got to talk about, but it's the beginning of a conversation. And so if you're here this morning or you're, here, or you're, or you're there online or if you come across the stream at another time, but you're at this crossroads of like, I just, I've never let him in. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Start that conversation with him. And maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you don't struggle at all with salvation. Maybe you don't feel like you're like that's even an issue for you. But maybe this morning there's a deeper revelation of maybe there's some scars I have left unchecked. It can be as equally simple as saying just that, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you these scars. I give you my struggles. I just surrender it to you this morning. You have a choice. Staying where you are is absolutely an option. But I'm telling you, it's not where you're supposed to be. Our bodies are designed to take ground. We're always supposed to be taking more. We're always supposed to be moving forward. You can surrender your scars this morning or you can continue to fight against yourself I want to leave you with this final thought the worship team is going to play a song and I'm going to invite you guys just to soak in that song and surrender what it is that maybe God is stirring up in you this morning but like MS this part of your life has three possible outcomes you can let the love of Jesus go all the way through your scars and you can have complete healing and you can be free. You can meet God partway, maybe surrender partway and feel partial healing. A little bit of freeing from your scars, but then those scars start to affect your present and your future. And you only get a partial healing or maybe you don't surrender. And his love doesn't get through your scar tissue at all because you're not willing to give it to him. That's long-lasting debilitation. That is not life abundant. So you have an option this morning. You can surrender this and you can let him have it. Or you can stay stuck where you are. Jesus said, I came to give life and life more abundant. Are you going to give him what he paid for? Are you going to surrender your scars to him this morning and say, I just need you to love me. I'm not going to let my past dictate my future anymore. I'm not going to let my scars become an excuse for not being the person that God has designed me to be. It's your choice. To the level that you surrender is to the is the level of experience and healing that you will have. If you surrender it all and you give it all, I'm telling you, he will meet you exactly where you're at. 
Whatever that scar is, whatever that predisposition is that you have, he will set you free of that today. As they play this song, I just want you to just really focus on whatever it is that he's speaking to you this morning. I refuse to believe that he isn't speaking to every single one of you about at least one thing that you're carrying. He wants you to have life and life more abundant. So in this song, in this time, focus on that one thing. Surrender it to God. Don't live a life of long-term debilitation. Live a life of freedom and give Jesus what he paid to give you. And that was life and life more abundant.
to us. What promise do you have? Do you have a promise to be healed? Do you have a promise to be whole? Do you have a promise to be restored? Is your marriage in shambles? What promise is there for you guys? You take a hold of that promise right now. Right now. Take a hold of it right now. Like this far, no farther is what we're going to declare because you know what? We get to rise in victory because of what he did, because of how he loves us.
stand with your wife. I encourage all of you, whatever scar, whatever hurt, whatever the Holy Spirit is highlighting right now, whatever came to mind as Mark was speaking, I encourage you to share that with somebody. Somebody in your life that's safe, somebody in your life that will stand with you, somebody in your life that will declare God's goodness over you. Share that with somebody, because we need each other. As Mark said, you know, he's He's been that for me. I've been that for him. We, we need each other. Guys, thank you for putting your life on display for us. For giving us this, this picture, this analogy, this representation of what's true in all of our lives. But right now, I just encourage you to stretch out your hand. Let's just pray for honest body. The, the MS, the, the scarring that's in her God in her life, God, we believe that you can do anything, God, and we just pray for her right now, God, that her healing touch, God, for your Holy Spirit to just pour over her mind, God, pour over her body, pour over every joint, God, every muscle, every tissue, every nerve, Jesus. God, we ask for healing and honest life right now, even as I know your mom is on life right now. She watches every time that she sees you sing. I just may that love just pour across the miles. God, we ask for your healing touch. God, we thank you that you are healing Anna right now, God, in, the, in all the ways that you can. And God, for all of us, God, all of the scarring, God, all of the hurts, all the pain, all of the difficulty, the anxieties, the depressions, the the addictions. God, we invite you into it right now. God, we, we turn it over to you. I just encourage you, just turn it over to Jesus and identify that person right now. Identify that person that you are going to share it with, that you're going to invite into your life so that we can do this together, so that we can stand with one another, so we can strengthen each other, so that we can do life together. Because life really is better together. Jesus, we thank you for the price that you've paid for our healing, for our hope, for our love, for our peace, for our joy. We receive that today, God, and as we go out this morning, as we go into our areas of life, as we go home, God, I pray that we, we speak life, that we speak hope, that we speak healing, that we speak positivity, we speak love, because that's what you came to offer us, that abundant life. We receive it, and we give it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Mark and Anna. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.